You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a help always near in times of great trouble. That's why we won't be afraid when the world falls apart, when the mountains crumble into the center of the sea, when it waters, the wa- its waters roar and rage, when the mountains shake because of its surging waves. There is a river whose streams gladden God's city, the holiest dwelling of the Most High. God is that city. It will never crumble. God will help it when morning dawns. Nations roar and kingdoms crumble. God utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of heavenly forces is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. Come, see the Lord's deeds. What devastation he has imposed on the earth. Bringing wars to an end in every corner of the world, breaking the bow and shattering the spear, burning chariots with fire. That's enough. Now know that I am God. I am exalted among all nations. I am exalted throughout the world. The Lord of heavenly forces is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh God, you can move the mountains. You walked on the seas. You alone have conquered death. And now, I need a miracle in me. Having expectations can be really tricky, especially as we came into a new year. I'm sure you have expectations for how you hope this year goes, the different things that you hope happen to yourself or to your kids or to your family. My favorite people to ask, though, about expectations are kids. Uh, Formerly Twitter, X, uh, did a poll recently and they asked parents to share what are some expectations your kids have for the new year? What are some resolutions they are making for 2024? Here are my four favorites. Number one, I'm going to eat more tacos and cheese, said William H. Five. Me too, brother. Me too. Number two, I want to pet every dog in the world, said Stefan, age seven. Number three, I will stop wiping boogers in my dad's car. There's probably two people very happy about that New Year's resolution. Thank you, Ryan. And then fourthly and finally, my favorite, 
I want to be nicer to my little sister, but mom said I have to start small. <laughs> Ugh, a little passive aggressive in there from Adelaide. Well done. Again, expectations can be tricky. And this applies to all the different expectations we place. The expectations we place upon ourselves, the expectations we put on other people. But I would argue probably the hardest expectations to navigate are those that we place upon God. How are you supposed to handle the moments in your life when God acts in very unexpected ways? How are you supposed to respond when God answers a prayer in a way in which you never anticipated or assumed or saw coming? Or maybe the hardest of all, how are you supposed to handle the moments when it feels like, at least according to your vantage point, it didn't feel like God intervened at all? All of this is why we're starting today a brand new sermon series here at the peak. We're starting the new year with a sermon series we're calling Miraculous. And the reason for which is because everybody here in this room, everybody who's watching this online, at varying levels and degrees, we believe in a God who is able to perform the miraculous. You probably wouldn't be here otherwise. We believe, at least in some small way, that God is able to accomplish things that don't make sense, that they go beyond our abilities or beyond our comprehension. However, when and if we ought to expect those miracles to happen in our own lives, that's where it gets hairy. That's where it gets complicated. And so here on week one, we're going to start out with a pretty broad, more generic sort of conversation, which is this. What expectations can I have of God? What assumptions can I have of God whenever I ask God very simply, very plainly for help? Okay? In the next several weeks, we're going to dive into all different types of help that we seek from God. What expectations can I have of God when I ask for healing, when I ask for protection, when I ask for God to provide something that I need? What expectations can I have in those places? But today we're going to start more broadly. We're going to start more generic because I believe uh, the wisdom in store for us today applies to all requests, all places where we ask God for support or aid or help in some way. Sound good? Let's dive in. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along today, we're going to be camped out in Psalm chapter 46. So feel free if you're watching this online, hit pause and grab a Bible. Today we're camped out in the book of Psalms. And if you're new to Psalms, uh, think of this book. Uh, this is actually classified in the poetic literature genre of the Bible. Meaning, when you thumb through the book of Psalms, you'll find all kinds of different writings. You'll find poems. You'll find sort of like prayer journal entries, diary entries, prayers that people have made to God they wrote down. And thirdly, you will actually find songs, so not psalms, songs, a little hard to say, but songs, like actual songs written by someone as an individual or songs written to be sung communally. And most scholars believe that Psalm 46 is the latter. It's actually written by the sons of Korah, who historically we know them to be uh, sort of custodians of the temple. These were assistants to the priests. And so you might think of these folks as modern, what would modern day we would conceive of as worship leaders. And so the people who wrote this psalm wrote this song to be sung publicly, to be sung in a place like this, in a group of believers. And so how do they start this whole conversation on God's help and what kind of expectations can we have in terms to asking God for help? Verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, 
always ready to help in times of trouble. So that seems pretty simple. That seems pretty self-explanatory, that if we have things that we need help with, we can go to God, and God will be quick. God will be ready to come to our aid and offer us the help and support that we need. It gets complicated when you get to verses 4 and 5. And I actually find verses 4 and 5 to be uh, the most fascinating of this psalm. The authors say, A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city, pay attention, it cannot be destroyed. From the break of day, God will protect it. Now, what about those two verses is so fascinating, Kyle? Why are those uh, the complicated parts of the psalm? Well, because if you study Old Testament history, you find out God didn't do that. God didn't stop that from happening. In 587 BC, history tells us uh, that Jerusalem is pillaged, it's destroyed, it's conquered by the Assyrians, and the people of God are hauled off to live as exiles and prisoners in some foreign land for many, many years before they're ever able to return home to that city. And so the question naturally is, then what in the world does that mean? Did God help the first time, but then the second time the bad guys showed up, God was like, eh, sorry, can't do it twice. Like, what happened? How do we make sense of this example of divine intervention or lack thereof? And this is where it's actually really, really important for us to understand the value uh, of that other religious traditions hold. One of the things that's so important for us to understand about our Jewish brothers and sisters is that they have a word, a particular word that we don't use nearly as much in Christian circles, but it's a word that is really at the core of so much of what uh, Jewish thought and belief and faith revolves around. And they had a specific word for this phrase, the city of God. So you remember this in verses four and five? A river brings joy to the city of God. This is the thing that apparently cannot be destroyed. And the particular word that they use interchangeably here is a word called Zion. Zion. Some of you have heard this before, if you've read enough of Old Testament literature before, you've heard this, that uh, there will be passages in Scripture where the authors will say things like, oh, how I wish I could return to Zion. Or there's another psalm that says, Zion, let me never, ever, ever forget you. And this is what's important to know about Zion. Sometimes when the people of the Old Testament, the authors of the Old Testament spoke of Zion, sometimes they were talking about a literal place. Sometimes they were talking about a physical, geographical place, that being Jerusalem. Other times, when they spoke of Zion, it was not necessarily a spiritual, it was not necessarily a physical place, but a spiritual place. It was a place, a moment in your journey where God showed up and God said something to you. God did something in your life. God changed you in some way. And friends, that type of Zion can nobody destroy. Ain't nobody able to take that from you. You might liken it to the way in which Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. When Jesus, throughout the Gospels, talks about the kingdom of God, he wasn't talking about a physical kingdom, was he? He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. He said, you can experience the kingdom of God whenever you act like me, when you act in these really generous and compassionate and grace-filled ways. Boom, there it is. That's the kingdom. It's happening right there. So what does all that mean? Put simply, here's what I think it is is that if you are someone 
who asks God for help. You must be prepared. You must be willing to accept that maybe, just maybe, this will not change your immediate situation. But what you seek and what you ask will change the eternal situation. Your immediate request might not be met. And it wasn't. In Psalm 46, it was not. The city was destroyed. But God will always fulfill the eternal request. Now, listen, you might read that and be like, that's great. That invokes way more questions than it does answers. And if so, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're in the right place because that's exactly what church is all about. We're trying to get here to wrestle with these questions, to wrestle with the things that we've experienced about God, to figure out how we can be better aligned and have better, more healthier expectations of when and how and where God works in the world. And so if you're asking yourself those questions, you're not alone. And when I read this passage and when I think about my own life, when I think of my own life and the instances where I've needed God's help and I've asked for God's help, I've begged for God's help in a relationship or in a job or in some situation in my life I couldn't fix, here's what I have found just about every single time. That if I'm going to be someone who asks for God's help, I am going to need an overhaul an expansion, a deepening of my theological imagination, particularly in these three areas. My understanding of timing, my understanding of method, and thirdly and finally, my understanding of how this relationship with God works in the first place. So let's break it down. Let's go one at a time. Let's start with the first one. Timing. One of the things that I've had to learn, one of the things I think the people of God have had to learn whenever we ask God for help, is changing, expanding, deepening our understanding of time. Why? Well, because on the one hand, we are crazy impatient as human beings. And furthermore, when it comes to timing, we think of time very single-mindedly. What do I mean by that? Whenever we ask for help, whenever I ask for help, oftentimes I think of it in a very simplistic way way. I need it, and I need it now. I need your help, and I need it now. I need your help, and I need it in this particular situation right here, right now. What I can see, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be changed. And while I am thinking of time simplistically, individually, sometimes very selfishly, God thinks of time cosmologically. So you might think of it this way. When we make requests of God, I'm thinking about what I need. And it's not to say that that doesn't matter to God. But it is to say that God is trying to give you what it is that you need and what all of us need at the same time. The scripture does not say, for God so loved Kyle that he sent his only begotten son. What does it say? God so loved who? The world. The whole daggum world. God's working an individual sort of game with you, and he's playing a cosmological game that's taking into account all of human history. Think of it this way. Human beings oftentimes treat time the way my children play board games, okay? All right? 
Anybody over the holiday break play any board games with your young children? Here's a picture of us playing Settlers of Catan, one of our absolute favorites. Any Settlers of Catan fans in the house? Three, four, five, great. This is us at the particular part of the board game where we still like each other and we're still talking to each other and still smiling. I should have taken another picture about 30 or so minutes later. Uh, if you've never played Settlers of Catan before, we play this uh, with our kids. Uh, it's a really, like, in their defense, it's a really complicated game. Like there's a whole bunch of strategy involved. There's a whole bunch of different ways you can win. And so every single time we play with our kids and it's my kid's turn, I try to help. Like I try to offer some coaching. Like, hey, you want to think about buying a settlement here? Maybe buy a city. Maybe you should upgrade your settlement to a city or maybe get a development card or use one of the 17 development cards that you've been wasting all your resources on a couple of months ago. Do you want any help with it? And they say, Nope, I'll take another road, please, because that's the only strategy my kids know how to play. Build a really long road. That's all they like to watch. So they'll trade in. They'll have the ability to win the game. They'll trade in all their resources for brick, for wood. Just keep paving roads, baby. Keep paving roads. That's somehow, some way, somehow it's going to work. And so how do I respond as a parent? Well, I try to do what any loving dad would do in that moment. I squash them and defeat them without mercy, okay? That's the only way they learn. <laughs> Kidding, kind of. Um, my kids are playing a very small game, a single-minded game. But there's a bigger game required in, in a weird way. That's kind of the way it works. Whenever I ask God for help, I have to be willing to accept the fact that God may not, in fact, answer when I want it. And it may not be because God doesn't care about me. It's not because God doesn't love me. But it's because God is constantly trying to play this much bigger game, which is not just giving Kyle what he wants when he asks. But I'm asking, God's asking a bigger question, which is what does Kyle need and what does the world Need And that, to me, that's what the most mature Christians out there are doing. They're, ans they're asking themselves this question. When God doesn't act according to my timeline, can I trust? Can you trust? Can you believe that God is working not just in my best interest, but the world's? Can I trust that when the timing just doesn't seem to work out, that there's a much bigger game being played? That's not just for my sake, but for the sake of my neighbor. So that's one thing. That's one place where we have had to, the people of God have had to expand their imagination. Whenever you ask God for help, it's in relation to our understanding of time. But this leads to the second one. The other place where we have had to, and you will have to, if you're going to ask God for help, you're going to have to expand your understanding. You have to deepen and expand your imagination is not only in regards to timing, but it's method. Method. The methods God goes about answering those prayers and requests for help. Because you see, again, we've got a little bit of an issue as human beings. Whenever we ask for help, we ask for aid, we ask for support in this sort of area of our life or that area of our life, we tend to think, again, in a very single-minded sort of way. We ask for something and we expect the method to be in the exact form state or fashion that we conceived of in our minds. And I like to say it this way, human beings, when we ask for something of God, we ask for help from God, we're actually anticipating something old, 
something we've seen before, something we've heard of before. We look back to, oh, well, God showed up for me the first time like this, or God showed up my other friend uh, like uh, in this way, and so I'm going to wait for that exact sort of thing to come in my life. We are anticipating something old, but what does Scripture say? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, behold, I am doing something new. I am making all things new. And so we're going to have to expand this particular area of our lives. We're going to have to expand this arena of our mind. Little, uh, I'll give you some bonus points, okay? I'll give you some bonus points that are really not redeemable for anything. But I'll give you bonus points if you can name. What is this part of the brain called? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to give you a hint. Okay, I'm going to give you the first half of the word. Hippo campus. Well done. Well done. You can use this later to impress your friends. The hippocampus, tiny little organ located in the central part of your brain, plays a vital role for us as human beings because guess what? This is where two things are located for you. Your memory and your imagination. Isn't that interesting? That your memory and your imagination live in the same part of your brain. Now, why does that matter? It matters because any time and every time a human being tries to think of something new, it's never really truly new, is it? It's just like a different variation of the old thing we already know. This is why if I were to poll all of you and say, what does the future of transportation look like? 99.9% of people would say, well, we're probably going to have flying cars, right? We understand how cars work. We understand how planes work. And so we go, I know. (laughs) Put them together. (laughs) Boom, you're an innovator. Just like that. The world calls you an innovator. We tend to think of things, we anticipate things in the future using old categories, using old data. Which isn't to say there's anything wrong with that, but it is to be just a reminder that, friends, again, also quoting the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. So very similarly, if you're going to ask God for help and if you're going to seek God for help, it's going to require an expanding of our imagination, not just in relation to timing, but in relation to methods. For me, the most mature Christians I know, they are those who ask this question. When God doesn't act according to my methods, I've got a decision to make. What's more important to you? What's more important to me? Would I rather get what I predicted? Or would I rather get what I need? What is more important to you? The how or the what. And I'll just warn you, I've watched people time and time again be so hyper-focused on the how. It has to happen this way that they miss the what entirely. They're over here looking this direction. It has to come in the way in which it came before And it comes from a wildly different direction. God's aid, God's help comes from a different direction. They don't see it. They don't hear it. They don't appreciate it. They don't use it. The most mature folks I know in their faith are willing to hold the how a little bit loosely. 
trusting that what they have sought and asked for eventually, in some way, some shape, some form, some fashion, will come to them. What they need will come to them. And thirdly and finally, if you are going to be someone who asks for God's help, it is going to require an overhaul and an expanding not only of our understanding of time, not only our understanding of methods, but of this relationship all together. And here's what I mean by that. As I went about writing this sermon, as Katie and I went about crafting this series, I realized a really convicting thing about myself. You ever had that happen? Not very fun. I had a very convicting realization about myself that oftentimes when it comes to this relationship with God and when it comes to my asking of God's help, Oftentimes, I do that from a place of believing I'm the lead actor and God is playing the supporting role. You ever realize, realize that about your own life? We watched the Barbie movie a couple of nights ago. This is Ken. This is Ken, the whole movie, right? This is Ken. Ken, the whole movie, doesn't want to be, he wants to, he wants to be the lead role. He wants other people to support him. He wants Barbie to support his story. He wants Barbie to be all about uh, his dreams and his goals and all of the various things that he's imagined. And you can laugh at that all you want. We as human beings, I do this with God all the time. All the time, I fall into this belief that it's my will, it's my dreams, and God, you're here to support my dreams. You're here to support my plans, and so I'm going to have no shame asking you for help all the time. I'm going to ask you for support all the time. I'm going to ask you to help me in the things that I'm doing all the time because I assume I'm the lead and you're in the supporting role. And it's not to say that it's wrong to ask for help, but it's a really convicting realization that when in terms of the relationship, it's really convicting to realize how little you offer help. What does Hebrews chapter 12 say? Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the what? The author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? That means the moment you signed up to be a follower of Jesus, whether you were fully aware of this or not, when you and I signed up to be followers of Jesus, to be a part of this kingdom movement that Jesus had begun, you relinquished the role of author of your story. And furthermore, the finisher, you also said, I'm now no longer chasing the end of my story. I want to be a part of your story. I want my life to contribute to your story. I want my life to be a part of what you're doing in the world. When you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up to be just that, a follower, someone who's going to follow someone else's script, someone you trust more than yourself, someone who's doing something much more bigger than you could ever imagine yourself. And so again, it's not that you can't ask for God's help, but again, what the people of God have learned is this. Do I offer as much help as I ask for? Do I offer as much, good Lord, is it even in the same vicinity of how much I ask for help? Help me. How does the prayer go? 
Not my will be done, but whose? Yours. Thy will be done. How does Psalm 46, going back to that passage one more time, how does it end? Another translation reads, I'm going to be still and know you are God. I'm going to hand over control to you. And so friends, as you start this new year, know that's the invitation before us. That's the invitation before every single one of us. It is to hear this invitation from God to say, man, I'd love for you to be a part of my story. You're going to play a supporting role. You ain't going to be the lead, but I'd love for you to contribute to this story. I'd love for you to contribute to what I'm doing out here in the world. And your question is actually a really simple one, which is, will you take it? Or maybe it's even deeper than that. Do you want it? The choice is yours. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Let all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.